you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And here in the studio with me today, I have Miss Susan Goss, or Chef Susan Goss. Uh, from She is the director of the Community Kitchen at Second Harvest Food Bank and a very dear friend of mine. And thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I... I just, I, I'm so excited to have you in here today, and I'm so excited that we're on year two of our event for 86 Hunger. 86 Hunger. And we'll talk about that a little bit, but, uh, you know, as a chef, it's super fun when I get an opportunity to do something for a good cause, make good food, but also hang out with other chefs and see the good food that they're making. Right. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize that Chefs are always in the same business. We may have the same nights off, but we rarely cook together. And the idea of getting a bunch of great women in the kitchen, maybe a couple of glasses of champagne and uh, and a good cause is uh, makes for a great a great uh, time. So last year at Coquette, we were so lucky to have a, a great crew and um, and the hospitality of Coquette to really kind of uh, talk a little bit about 86 hunger. I'm, and uh, does everybody know what 86 means? I, I think you need to I explain so. that. Everybody knows that's a restaurant term. 86 vegetable, 86 coleslaw. But uh, in restaurant blueprints, um, number 86 is always a trash can. So if, you know, if we're 86 in hunger, we're going to throw it in the trash can. And that's our goal. Uh, it's the goal at Second Harvest Food Bank. It's what we work for every single day is to really 86 hunger. And uh, while we want to give everybody a great time and have uh, great food and great wine with this five-course wine and food pairing at Coquette, we really want to bring home the idea that uh, people in Louisiana are really in need. One in five families doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. One in five, one in four children doesn't know if he or she's going to eat tonight. So those are really sobering thoughts. And uh, while we're having a good time, we want to keep that in the back of our minds. Absolutely. And, you know, as a, you know, as a chef and... You know, my, you know, I always, my husband always will joke and say, I'm so hungry. And mm-hmm. I realize we, we use that term so freely mm-hmm. without understanding what true hunger means. Right. You know, as a kid, my mom would say, I'm so sorry. I'm so tired of hearing you say that you need to come up with new words. And so it was like, get out the thesaurus at nine years old. I have a voracious appetite, mom. <laughs> you know, I'm famished because yeah. she was tired of hearing I'm hungry. But I think there are people out there who are tired of being hungry. Oh, they are. And people don't understand that that we don't need a disaster like Harvey or any sort of hurricane or an earthquake or anything like that, hunger itself is an everyday disaster. And it's something at Second Harvest Food Bank that we deal with every single day. I think a lot of people also think of hunger as being the guy that's uh, hanging out under the bridge at I-10 and Calliope. And they don't realize that if you're working two minimum wage jobs full-time, 40 hours a week, and you've got four kids, you are below the poverty line and you may not make it till the end of the month. There are a lot of people out there who are busting it, trying to make money and still rely on our pantry partners uh, third or fourth week in the month when the money just runs out. Well, I've had the opportunity as a volunteer to come into that community kitchen. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also kind of fun to take over that community kitchen (laughs) every once in a while. And do you take over? (laughs) Y'all, for my listeners out there, it is full of so many cool pieces of equipment that I could only aspire to play with, you know. I think that's another thing that that people don't understand uh, or don't realize. Uh, Second Harvest Food Bank has so many different capacities. You know, we have an 8,500 square foot kitchen. 
uh, professional kitchen built for production, and we produce. We send out hot meals, a couple thousand every day, to um, schools and community groups and uh, faith-based organizations for kids to eat after school. These are kids who are maybe uh, doing some sort of an enrichment program, remedial reading. Maybe it's even sports or art, but they're after school. Uh, they're there till like five thirty, six o'clock, and those kids probably got on the bus at 6 a.m., and they're hungry. You know, kids can't last that long. Uh, with our food distribution programs, the community kitchen meal service, our nutrition education programs, and our public benefits assistance, we're helping to create pathways out of poverty. Now, whenever you are cooking in that giant kitchen and you're preparing meals for the kids and or for families and or seniors or seniors, and you're sending all this food out, you know, one thing that really struck me was that. The mo- it was important that it was good food and not right. just like good food. At, I mean, we wanted healthy, we wanted tasty, but we wanted pretty food. We wanted pretty food, too. Just because you're relying on a food pantry um, or you're getting a box at, at a church distribution service doesn't mean you don't deserve the same respect as the rest of us. We have some great programs at Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, we have a pickup program at Raising Cane's. Raising Cane's is a great partner of ours. They have extra bread all the time. So we pick up that bread, and instead of just giving our agency partners a big bag of bread, here's your bread, we actually take, we have volunteers who take that bread, and they pack it like you would get hot dog buns in a grocery store. And it's beautiful. We put a label on them. We, you know, put a little seal on them, and we pack them in a box, and then our agency partners can give out a nice looking thing of bread to their their clients. And that, that's so important to us. It's important to us with our kids' meals as well. Just because it's free food doesn't mean it it shouldn't be pretty. Now I understand and I have been I've had my hand slapped. Kids don't like green stuff in their <laughs> vegetables. They don't like green stuff on their pasta. So the chopped parsley went away. But we're still trying to improve the nutritious uh, qualities of our food. We have uh, whole wheat grain, uh, buns for our uh, sliders. Yes, we're serving macaroni and cheese, but we're using real cheese and we're using whole grain macaroni. And uh, we're serving fresh vegetables and can- instead of canned vegetables or frozen. Our be- red beans are made from scratch instead of coming out of a can. Our sodium levels are low. So we're really, really proud of what we're doing. And, you know, those are the things that a lot of times we're not thinking about because, uh, you know, maybe my church is having a drive and we're going through the pantry and we're like, okay, we're going to send this. And, oh, we have one can of corn or (laughs) we have this can of potatoes and we're not sure where the canned potatoes came from, but they're in the pantry. And one of the things that really struck me was how helpful it was to have a list of things that y'all needed. Right. Because if you're cooking in bulk for 3,000 people on a day, one can of garbanzo beans and one can of corn does not make a meal for 3,000 people. It doesn't. But it does help one family get a can of corn and a can of garbanzo beans. And a lot of the product, I'd say 99% of the product that comes in from a food drive, from a school or a faith-based organization um, or a Saints game or a Pelicans game, um, goes to our pantries in boxes of, say, mixed vegetables. So all that food will come in, and we'll have some of our fabulous volunteers go through all that food, check for expiration dates, because that's real, real important. Very important. We never send out expired food, um, and also for dented cans and things like that. And they'll put all the cans of green beans and corn and 
vegetables all in box together and they'll put all the pastas together and they'll put all the hamburger helpers together. And so the agencies will then have something that they can put on their shelves, like here's 12 cans of corn and people can come in and pick and say there's a can of corn. Um, in the kitchen, we rely a lot on purchased product, uh, but we also rely a lot on um our retail partners. We have fabulous relationships with Walmart and Rouse's and Winn-Dixie and gosh, pretty much everybody, Sam's Club, Costco. And a lot of times those distributors will reject a load, a load being a, tr a truckload. So we'll get four truckloads of Roma tomatoes that are perfectly good. The only problem is they're just a little too ripe and they won't have the shelf life in the grocery store. So they send them all to the food bank. And that's when the kitchen really jumps into into action, where all our volunteers will cut those tomatoes in half and and uh, put them on sheet pans. We'll roast them off and we'll actually freeze them. And then we'll use them to make tomato sauce and barbecue sauce and pizza sauce and all kinds of stuff all year round. And I can only imagine when we had all the chefs in there and we were doing some disaster cooking, um, I incentivized them, and yes. I said, if you do the job that you are assigned, the task that maybe is not crazy and creative, but it is very practical and very delicious, and you do it well and you do it in your time allowed, I'm going to let you play a little top chef on the, the pantry. Yeah. And they went in there, and, you know, there's got to be some fun creativity that you get to do in your job when you do get a truckload of tomatoes or a truckload of squash. Oh, boy. The day we were there, I swear the mushrooms were just showing <laughs> up. And it was like, what can we do with mushrooms? That's right. That's and right. make it nutritious and delicious. Yeah. yeah. And we um, have a fabulous uh, partner and a farmer, um, a Mr. Boulay, out in La Rose, uh, Louisiana. And uh, I think he's retired now, but he, he plants for us. And this year he planted Kusha squash. Now, I'm from Chicago. I didn't know what kusha squash was. I think I'm the only one in Louisiana who doesn't. But uh, we had about 27,000 pounds of kusha squash. And uh, so let's start for 27,000 yeah. 27, pounds. pounds. Yes. And I know we cleaned probably one pallet full and I was like cross-eyed from squash. Yes. But the volume of food that we made was, was amazing. Bad. And what we're doing with the rest of it, and I got to tell you, we have 700 pounds left left. That's all. One tote of 700 pounds, and we're going to go through that tomorrow. But what we did with it is we realized that a lot of people didn't know how to deal with a big squash. And these are big squashes. These are the size of small children. I mean, you know, yeah. there's like a... It's like a watermelon, y'all. Yeah. And uh, so we're actually breaking them down in the kitchen and steaming them and then scooping out the flesh. And I made a healthy squash gratin, uh, kind of like the ones we made for the disaster meals, um, put the recipe on the bag that we packed the squash in. And our agencies now get two quart bags of cooked squash that they can give out to their to their partners and their their clients. And that's a lot easier, especially for a senior or someone yeah. who doesn't really cook too much to deal with and then having here here is your squash carry it home <laughs> yes yes here is a giant squash here's a giant squash good luck yeah <laughs> it, so. it is not a pumpkin you cannot use it for halloween you right <laughs> it's not but. a gourd <laughs> right but uh but we do we do have a lot of fun and we have a great staff a very small staff in the kitchen we're always looking for volunteers um we are looking for skills-based volunteers chefs culinary students um we I have volunteers uh, hours that started about 8.30 in the morning and go till about 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, we need help prepping food. We need help um, packing meals. We've really expanded our reach this year by developing shelf-stable meals. A lot of our agency partners out in the rural areas don't have 
the capacity to get fresh hot meals. We just can't take them there. That's not safe. And maybe they don't have uh, freezers to have, to store freezer meals so that we can they can reheat them. But we have shelf-stable meals. And now— So explain what an example so a of that is. a shelf-stable meal is like a— a little can of chicken salad, and it's got a little uh, container of shelf-stable uh, of green beans. And actually, green beans at room temperature are pretty tasty. Um, there's a little bag of soy nuts. There's um, a uh, little fruit cup, like some diced peaches in in uh, uh, apple juice or some uh, apple applesauce. Uh, there's some shelf-stable milk. There's a little fork, knife, and spoon. So there's everything you need to have a, a good meal. And uh, we need help packing those because we go through thousands and thousands and thousands of those a week. Um, so there's there are all kinds of opportunities, whether you like to use a knife or not. There are great opportunities. You just go to our website to know-hunger.org and click on volunteer and uh, and sign up. We'd love to love to see everybody. Now, when you're getting volunteers who come into the kitchen with you and volunteers that, that do other things there on the property, is there a certain... Um, age group that you need? How old do they need to be? And do they need to be familiar with the kitchen? Or if they're not familiar with the kitchen, you'll find a task that meets their needs. We have administrative opportunities. If you like to stuff envelopes, if you like to do data entry, uh, you know, we we have um, volunteers who, who last year actually replaced maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple dozen actual full-time employees because of all of the volunteer hours that were donated to us. Um, actually, we need people in the kitchen who uh, who like to do dishes. <laughs> um, there, there's a repack up, op- and they operation. have a super cool dishwasher. That's right. It's <laughs> and their newly <laughs> renovated dishroom. That's right. That's right. Uh, our repack organization is great for groups because uh, that's when you actually turn big bags of things into little boxes of things, or you take all that donated food from food drives and and you put it like kinds, like things, or you pack disaster boxes. You know, uh, we have all kinds of disaster boxes for families who maybe had a house fire or maybe found themselves out on the street one night and, and really need some help right away. And one of the things that I noticed whenever I was talking to some of the staff members at Second Harvest is that y'all are constantly trying to create solutions. And we had some groups with Langwa that wanted to do an event or they wanted to do something. And uh, Second Harvest said, well, how about a birthday box? Mm-hmm. How about a gumbo box or mm-hmm. a Sunday dinner box? And, you know, these groups were able to purchase very specific items mm-hmm. to put in boxes so that if that. it was a child's birthday, they got a cake mix and some sprinkles and a candles and, and, and little tiaras and things yeah, like that. And I streamers. mean, that's yeah. super nice, you know, for if I would imagine, you know, it's unexpected for the people receiving it, but then it it's very heartfelt. It is. And it's 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 joy it's joyful for the people who are doing it. You know, we do, we um, we do a lot of team building uh, things. There, the we have a full um, a full scale uh, catering business at Second Harvest Food Bank. This is something that uh, I started this year. Uh, it's pretty new, but it's pretty exciting. We do um, basically business to business breakfasts and lunches and things like that. We're not up to weddings yet, but uh, <laughs> but we are. Um, we have a beautiful. Um, exhibition kitchen where people can come in and have uh, their morning meetings and coffee and pastries. We have uh, an opportunity for, as I said, um, like the groups that you bring in, um, team building organi- uh, opportunities where um, you pit a couple of groups against each other and who's going to make the chicken creole fastest or who's going <laughs> to who's going to get uh, 60 meals out fastest. And uh, and so uh, those kinds of things are, are, are fun. And it really gives people an opportunity to give back, learn something and uh, and to be able to create a little bit too. 
And I love it. And I, you know, I feel like y'all are a great organization that I'm not even sure how my relationship with y'all started. You know, it just kind of bumped together. I, I think because when you see a need, you jump in feet first and then you look around you and say, where am I? <laughs> yeah. I, so you're saying I jump in before I think about no. I'm, I'm saying your heart's in the right place, Amy. <laughs> I am saying your heart's in the right place. You know, last year at Second Harvest, we um, distributed the equivalent of 30 million meals. That's 30, 30 million. million. Yeah. 30 million meals. We fed more than 210,000 thousand people across our 23 parish line. You know, we go all the way from the Mississippi border all the way out to Texas, all the way out to Lake Charles and Sulphur. So when Harvey hit, we were scrambling because not that we were um, delivering food to Texas, although we did deliver a lot of food to Texas. We delivered food to our southwestern parishes that really were hit hard, not only just from the weather, but from Harvey evacuees. And there's a real relationship between Houston and 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 uh, New Absolutely. Orleans. And, you know, when, when, when we're in trouble, we go there. And when they're in trouble, they come here. So we found even our Orleans Parish um, uh, agencies were, were hit because they, all of a sudden they had more need because there were more people living in their households. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about that and you think about the scale and the way kind of this, the network works that – you know, you know, if there's a disaster somewhere, you will be supporting other food banks and Absolutely. other groups within your network. And so, uh, though you're planning for your 3,000 meals for your after school program, all of a sudden there's a need for 20,000 meals. Right. right. And people are looking to you. Mm-hmm. We work real closely with the Red Cross and with first responders everywhere to make sure that. People are fed. Um, you know, the Houston Food Bank uh, didn't take on any water, but you couldn't get there. All the roads were flooded. So we really um, waited until they they needed. They told us what they needed, and then we jumped in. You know, we were on uh, on we were on board to help out with uh, Florida if they needed it. Thank goodness they didn't. Um, but uh, but anytime anything happens in the Gulf Course Gulf Coast, we're there. So as you look into the rest of this year and next year and, you know, you see the need growing for the mm-hmm. number of meals that that 30 million will probably be surpassed. Yes. Um, what are some of the things that y'all need in order to accomplish your mission? Oh, what a great question. We have a capital campaign I'd really like to talk about for about two hours now. <laughs> um, so you got like two minutes. No. Yeah, no. We, um, uh, we are always in need of support. You know, financial support, um, branding support, all, all support of every any kind. I think that that you know the food bank uh, tries very hard to be a part of the community overall, not just the not just the part of the community that needs help, but but we really try to be integrated with the community as a whole. Um, one thing that I plan to do in the next year or so in the in the kitchen is to um, start a workforce development program. So we'll actually be teaching people that are coming out of. Um, maybe halfway houses, maybe the correctional system, maybe people who just haven't been in the workforce for a while. We'll be teaching them basic culinary skills. Um, and uh, after a three-month program, we'll be able to present them to some of our uh, culinary partners in the community as potential candidates for positions. So um, that's going to be really, really exciting. We're going to need a lot of help in um, building that that program. Uh, we are looking, as I said, we've got a capital campaign that uh, is going to hopefully give us a new roof and put air conditioning into the uh, warehouse and uh, um, build a new conference room and put in more parking. So, um, you know, any, just like every building in, uh, in New Orleans, ours is old. Yes. <laughs> ours is old and needs some, some TLC. So, uh, we, you know, but I think the most important thing is we need um, support just by volunteers and, and, and people coming in to, uh, 
to really understand what we do. We're pretty multifaceted uh, organization. I think there's a lot of us that a lot about us that people don't don't really know. And I agree with that because I I think people say oh food bank and they're thinking canned goods, dry mm-hmm. goods, but they're not thinking bringing people out of poverty. Right. Providing resources and education. Exactly. And, Long, and there's so much more to it. There's so much more to it's poverty is is hunger is a symptom of of something else. And uh, there are short-term fixes, you know, a can of soup, a box of food, a, a meal, um, and then there are long-term fixes, and that's education, and that's um, all kinds of, of other things that we, uh, other kinds of outreach programs that, that we do with our, um, our uh, agency relations people. We, you know, do SNAP benefit um, assistance and, uh, and uh, really try to help solve the, or help people mitigate the, the challenges that they have that, that keep them hungry. Um, and uh, so there's, there's all, there are all kinds of things that we can do. But I think that one of the most important things that we're doing right now is we're having this fabulous dinner next yes. week. Yes. Uh, you, you are so good. I was just about <laughs> to say, well, let's, let's, we have a few more minutes. Fun. So let's talk about this dinner. Um, last year, we, had, we, we added one extra person this year, which is I super exciting. Yeah. Um, but we had you and Chef Kristen from Coquette and uh, Maggie from La Boulangerie mm-hmm. and uh, Sue... Zamanic and and you and me and you. and Chef Tess came and uh-huh. now this year we have um, a Chef Ashley Roussel from Simone's Market joining mm-hmm. us, but this is a powerful crew of ladies in this kitchen. It is, and this is this is really exciting. This is something that my husband and I started in our restaurant in Chicago. Uh, we called it the Girl Food Dinner, and we did this for seventeen years for um, the Greater Chicago Food Depository. I was amazed at them. Um, talent of women in the in the kitchens in Chicago. And I said, let's get everybody together and let's cook and let's do it for the food bank. So I'm really excited and proud to have that um, going on here. And this is our second year. Um, so we'll be presenting a five-course food and wine pairing dinner at Coquette. Thank you, Coquette, for having your lovely Thank you, upstairs Kristen room. Thank you, and Michael. Yeah, and uh, for generously uh, donating that for us that night. Um, it's Wednesday, October 4th. Uh, it starts at 6.30 p.m. with past appetizers. The dinner starts at 7. Don't be late because you don't want to miss those past appetizers. Um, the tickets are available on no-hunger.org. Um, just go to give, and uh, I think you'll find the uh, tickets there, but you could also do the back spl- black slash 86 hunger. Uh, and um, uh, grab yourself some tickets. They're $150 a piece. The proceeds go to the food bank. All the chefs are donating their time. They're donating the food. Uh, the wine companies are donating the wine. Uh, also, all for all this money to be able to go directly to the food bank so we can help other people. It's um, it's amazing. You know, after 30 years in the kitchen, um, I'm finally cooking for people who maybe don't have the opportunity to choose if they're going to eat. After 30 years of cooking for people who decided where they were going to eat. Yes. And that's very humbling. It's it's also it's very very satisfying. And I think that uh, I think that's something that every chef feels. It's a very grounding uh, experience to understand that that not everybody can come to your restaurant, um, and a lot of people don't even have the opportunity to decide if they're going to eat. Um, with uh, you know with the challenges that people have today, they're making choices. You know, seniors are deciding to 
go without medication uh, so that they can eat or they're deciding to go without food so they can have their medication. Parents are not eating so their kids can have food. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of need in this wonderful, great country of ours, uh, right on our own blocks. There's, there's still a lot of need. So we're going to have a lot of fun uh, at this dinner uh, addressing that need and, um, and uh, having some great food at the same time. And I can tell our listeners out there after uh, last year, um, anybody who has uh, cooked with me or worked with me knows that I am like torn between staying in the kitchen or staying in the dining room because the di- both are so much fun. Uh-huh. And uh, last year I kept peeking around the corner watching the excitement and the fun because the way the space is set up, it allowed for so much conversation and for everyone at the tables to kind of feel like at the end of the evening Strangers were dining together, uh-huh. but everyone was there for the same reason. Right, right. And I think everybody felt um, a real sense of camaraderie. And people did get up and talk from table to table. And uh, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, the, the room at Coquette, as you said, is so beautiful. And it's, um, uh, I think the front of the house people were very, the waiters that night who also donated their time, you know, were... Um, uh, were wonderful in, in getting that kind of a vibe going. But, uh, you know, a couple glasses of wine and some great food and people start talking. <laughs> Absolutely. So for our listeners out there, check out 86 Hunger. It's a benefit for Second Harvest Food Bank. You can go to give.nohunger.org and come see me and Chef Kristen and Chef Maggie and uh, Chef Ashley and Chef Sue and Chef, Chef Susan. Susan. And Chef Susan, what are you cooking that night? I am making, okay, I'm making salad. I always... I always have this, uh, my first job or my first uh, opportunity after going out of restaurant school was to go to an Alsatian uh, chef in my community in Indianapolis, Indiana and ask for a job. And he said, we don't need a salad girl. And I said, well, wait a minute. I'm not a salad girl. <laughs> I'm going to be a sous chef. And uh, so anytime I say I'm going to make a salad, I feel like I'm the salad girl. But uh, we have this fabulous salad that we uh, made last year um, at uh, Second Harvest Food Bank with kale from our own garden at uh, the food bank. And we had sweet potatoes in the garden and we had kale in the garden. I made this fabulous salad with uh, shaved Parmesan cheese and dates, roasted pecans, and then the kale and the sweet potatoes, roasted sweet potatoes. And I'm making that again because that is just so darn good. And it sounds like the perfect bridge from uh, what would be our hot summer to our we want fall to come and mm-hmm. maybe it will entice the weather to cool And hopefully off. you're doing that fabulous charcuterie display I, again. I am. Okay. Uh, hogshead cheese in process, pickles in process. Uh, I think there's a pork riette in process. There's all kinds of stuff so in process. So my salad will be a refreshing counterpoint to that <laughs> yes, right afterwards. To balance out the fat that <laughs> I bring to the table. So You do it so well. <laughs> well, thank you. So, thank you. Well, Chef Susan, thanks for joining us today. For all our listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.